Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Hello, face fellow basement dwellers. I'm off to a great start. Can't speak today, guys. Let's rewind that. Hello once again, fellow basement dwellers. This is your good friend, Patrick O'Dowd, welcoming you in to another edition of Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. I am excited about this week's show we are going to do another round of nerd review on the bandwagon as we are going to talk all about recently released on hbo max and in theaters the suicide squad directed by one james gunn starring all kinds of people of course headlined by idris elba john cena and margot robbie all three prominent in that film. We are also going to talk about our second episode of This Is Pop, the streaming series on Netflix. We're going to talk a little auto-tune in this episode, which I'm really excited about. I loved that episode. And we're going to pay a visit to the Nerdosphere. We've got some trailers to cover. we got a couple of little news bites here and there. All in all, it's going to be a fine show. The bandwagon right now, though, is a little lighter than it usually is. We are currently running with myself, the the man, uh, the, the lawyer himself, Mr. David Ungar, my co- partner in crime on Mondays. Dave, how you doing? Pretty good. Welcome to uh, Bandwagon Nerds episode 91. The March to 100 continues this week. That's right. And helping us with that march is, of course, the Reverend himself, Ray Cash. Anything to get on the pulpit about today, Reverend. Uh, 
bandwagon nerds, bandwagon nerds. Yeah, I'm gonna nice. hope that means that you listen to our chair shot radio from last week because we talked about the Bee Gees. That's what I'm gonna go with, even if that's not true. Sure. See, there you go. I knew it was true. <laughs> Which reminds you, if you haven't caught your double dose of David Ungar and Patrick O'Dowd, make sure you give a listen to this Monday. This Monday's bandwagon or bandwagon chair shot radio. Oh, sorry, guys. Damn. We on point today. I am. I am not on point today. Go back and give that a listen. Listen to Dave and I. Dave, I've already forgot. Who'd you talk about? Uh, this week's episode, I'll help you out, Patrick, of uh, musical chairs involved. My choice was Kiss. And That's right. Patrick's Sorry, was the one and only Bruno Mars. So, yeah, That's interesting right. little. Oh, those are very interesting. Yeah. Wait a minute. I'm a Two clean. very different groups. No. Uh, <laughs> I'm talking about the music. Are you really a Kiss fan, Dave? Oh, yeah. Aren't you? No, you're probably not. I mean, no, no, Are you? no, no. I I enjoy Kiss. Kiss has a lot of great hits, but Kiss will never be confused with being the greatest band alive. They're the, you know what I'm talking they, about. They, from a musical standpoint, no. From showmanship and putting on a show, sure, I sure. would argue very much against that. No, no, yeah, they they're great on stage, absolutely. So, and I guess it's better to be so, great on stage than great on in on wax, right? But I'm sorry, Pat, go ahead. Well, yeah, right. So you interesting have concept. Cry it out loud, man. <laughs> Try to speak here. Anyway, if you haven't caught that episode of Chair Shot Radio, make sure you get back and of course catch every episode of Chair Shot Radio Monday through Friday. Everybody on the bandwagon does at least one episode um, during the during those uh, during those shows. So, and they're all really really good. I was sitting there thinking as we're gonna we're gonna start jumping in and talking about this is pop episode two. You know how we have like the awesome Netflix music that or not Netflix music, the awesome Marvel music that plays in our shows. I really just wish and I needed to take the time just to have the big like double tone thing that Netflix does when you log in, you know, that like dong <laughs> so jump into to this is pop as as we go into this. Because this week I, I love where this show goes in that it it's very it's very like focused but all over the place if that makes sense mm-hmm. uh, with these mini documentaries and this week was one was an episode I didn't even really think about as a pop thing until I saw it show up here and that was this you know this episode about auto tune in which I learned more about T Pain than I ever ever imagined that I would and so. Before we before we get into the episode, first thing I want to do is just real quickly, what's around the room? Thoughts on auto tune in music? We'll go with the old curmudgeon first, Dave. I, 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 I never really had a problem with it or an issue with it. I mean, until I watched this episode, I didn't really realize that there was an argument being made that <laughs> T Pain ruined music with this stuff. You know, and, and to be honest, I started thinking, oh, auto tune. And I was thinking, Peter Frampton's, do you feel like we do with the talk box? And I'm thinking, oh, they're the same thing. And realizing afterwards and looking into it, not the same at all. But they did have the, the vocoder, vocoder uh, showing part of that as it went along. I, I, I mean, yeah, I never really was. I can honestly say I was never really cognizant that this was a thing. Um, certainly not to the extent that it, when you get in the episode, you see what he, what T Pain went through just to get this software program is remarkable. Right. 
Uh, but I, you know, not because I'm old or, or anything like that. I just, it, it never really registered with me that this was, I just thought it was a sound effect, <laughs> to be real with you. Ray, what about you? Um, so much like anything in society, if something works for one person, other people are going to want to do it. So that is probably, that was the initial fear of auto-tune and living, I graduated high school in 2005. T-Pain's era is literally my era of music. Yeah. So I remember T-Pain coming out and being huge. And then Wayne started to use auto-tune. And then this guy started to use auto-tune and that guy. And it became everybody. And it became, okay, well, the novelty's worn off. So I get the concern of it. I have no issue with auto-tune unless you don't have talent. And there are plenty of people who have used auto-tune to even out the fact that they can't sing. And that unfortunately was pegged on pain because people for years and probably until the masked singer thought he couldn't sing. And in fact, he is a fantastic singer. I mean, he's no Marvin Gaye, but he's a fantastic singer of the time. And um, more importantly, all the other shit he does over compensates for just his gratuitous use of this one technically it's an instrument, right? Wouldn't you call it an instrument now? Well, and that's and that was what I was gonna chime in is I, I also have never had a problem with autotune because I think it's just another tool and a craft. Right? Like music is an art form, it's a craft, and this is just another way to do it. It's the same thing with entertainment. And I we talked about it on the show, entertainment in general. Video games. Are video games art? Mm-hmm. Sure. Is is music any less of an art if somebody uses auto-tune to create a sound and effect? And, and I'll even take it a step forward f- further, Ray. You talked about people used it like crazy and, and people with talent or not. I just talked about Bruno Mars because we talked about Bruno on um on Chairshot Radio this morning. The opening track on 24 Karat Magic. With an auto-tuned voice before we get into the song 24 Karat Magic. So it's a tool, it's a device, it's a sound, it's like a vocoder, it's like a voice box, it's like an electric guitar, it's like anything else. It's just a different sound for an instrument. And so yeah, and here's the other thing is T-Pain wasn't even the one who like brought it up, like started it. Like you they gave it. They gave credit to Cher. Cher, yeah, but probably her most popular song or one of them. I mean, that's like my well, favorite I, song by her. Her well, most popular solo song, yeah. But I mean, uh, in the hood, boys were listening to Believe. Like I listen to Believe, but like the people no. who listen to rapper turned singer, and I'm sprung weren't listening to Cher Believe. Yeah, but but, but my point here. Ray. is that he and you, you know, he's he heard that sound. He's like, wow, that's something that could set him apart from all those other artists that you were just rattling off there. Let's also talk about the fact that T Pain is, in fact, an artist. He what he is a rapper, he is a singer, so on and so forth. But he's first and foremost, which I don't think gets enough credit, is a producer because he had the ear to notice that. How many people heard that and didn't notice it? So I it think that of, needs to get more credit. Think if there's something different, like you know what I mean? Like they, it's it's not quite an earthly sound, but not so much so that you would be like, "How did she do that?" Uh, mm-hmm. Or how the did they? What's the nature of that? 
Yeah. Right. And it was, I mean, it was such a scandalous thing at the time that the uh, the producer, if you remember from the, the documentary, the producer even says, like, I, we didn't say that it was autotune for fear of th- how that would reflect. It was an open uh, secret. Autotune was an open secret in the business. Yeah. Right. I also thought it was really interesting to learn how autotune was developed. Because if you would have told me that it was done by, like, a geologist, like, who comes up with that? Like, how how does how does that that is crazy. Like the dude who uses sound to find, I can't even remember what he, what he was. Was he in oil? Was he in the oil business or something like that? He yeah. was a geologist. Yeah. They were trying to find how stuff was resonating off of other right. compounds. Taking that technology and creating these equations that then allows you to manipulate a voice to, to put it, you know, on pitch. Yeah, He said, I got, I can't I, I come up with some complex math equations. And I'm like, Right there, I would have been like, well, that's it for me, you know? Can't be doing that. <laughs> I'm out. We should have got, gotten DP on here and find out what's what's he been holding out on us? Like, what shit has he invented in the and is helping the music industry that we don't know? Because you got to watch out for those scientists. Yeah. <laughs> DP's got something cooking up in the cool Thunderdome. So what did you all think of the just sort of the general overarching backlash piece to this? And, you know, it was really focused on on – on T-Pain and sort of how he re- he responded to it. But I thought it was interesting that the backlash worked in a couple different ways for him because he received all this backlash, even from his peers. Like, that story with Usher, like, that sucks. Like, that's horrible. And for those of you who don't know, like, Usher, like, sits, sits down next to one of the planes, like, you kind of ruin music. And that's what, like, sends him into a depression for multiple years. But then on the other end of it, you mentioned the mass singer, but they actually he actually mentioned like this intimate performance that he did without auditing. NPR, yes. Right. It, to this day, it is saved, downloaded on my phone. And what I thought was really interesting was that then people were like, because this is how terrible people could be, because people couldn't compliment their performance. They were like, wow, I didn't know he could actually sing. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because he went from like, I told you. To like, nobody ever thought I had any talent. Like, hey, can you imagine like how easy it would be to just kind of get sucked back into that sort of wormhole that he was already in? First, you're told you ruined music. Then you're told, well, you didn't have talent or who knew you had talent except for apparently his wife. Like, obviously, his wife knew. Yeah, getting compared to like, he might as well have been the Millie Vanilli of his generation. Right, Ray? I mean, that's right. basically oh what they're saying. God. See, like, I, I, I'll say this because, and, and, you know, if you've listened to musical chairs for the last few weeks, you know, my 90% of my musical taste is, is rock, ranging from mm-hmm. rock to alternative to stuff in between. Um, and, and I don't know, I mean, can you guys think of, like, auto-tune really being used prevalently in any sort of rock songs? I, I can't, off the top of my head, can't think of it. I wouldn't call it auto tune, but it'd be more along the vocator or the talk vocoder or the talk box because Bon Jovi used the shit out the talk box. Yep, there you oh, go. Yeah, there you go. Good call, Ray. That's right. So, you know, and and you hear those things, and he even spoke about homeboy in the funk in funk because all funk used some form of row 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 or whatever that it was, and it was just it's it's always been so niche. And Bon Jovi is not niche. Bon Jovi was at the time maybe the biggest rock star in the world, but it was such a niche part of the act because it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't masking talent. 
almost kind of similar, speaking of rock, to what Tom Morello does with Rage Against the Machine. We know that that's a niche part of the act, but we also know he's one of the best guitarists in the world. And so that's just adding to the act. People thought all T-Pain could do was use autotune. And so they almost killed the artist for them. Cher was, Sonny and Cher, the show was in the 70s, right? We knew Cher could sing. It's just, this is something adding to the act. I think that's what hurt him and kind of, especially in the world, this is completely off on a quick tangent, but it's going to make perfect sense. Drake is one of the best rappers of our generation. If we're being honest from, from a, from a, a success standpoint, maybe ever. But because Drake didn't come from the streets, because Drake has pe- other people help write music for him, he doesn't get the credit that a lot of other rappers do, like Nas or Jay-Z or some of these more street artists who write their own stuff. So in the world of hip-hop, there is a whole lot of, uh, of credit given to authenticity. And there is no authenticity if your if your art is being masked strictly by uh, essentially what is a plug-in. And that's what he had to focus with or deal with in his world while simultaneously being the hottest dude out. So he's on every single song for three years, but he's not getting any credit because it's like you make money, but we're not going to rock with you personally because, yeah, you, 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 you don't have any talent, but you should make these songs hot. And that's a weird place to be in was his debut album was that when he first came on the scene was it auto-tune right from the start ray or did he his very first song was i'm sprung and it's all auto-tune rapper turned singer is his first solo and it's strictly auto-tune you raise a great point and i'll defer to pat in just a minute but like like uh living on a prayer the song you're talking about with bon jovi that's their third album and and, Mm -hmm. and by then you know okay john can sing richie can play like you're saying, they just added some new element to a song and say, hey, we're trying something out. Check this out. And it, of course, it worked like never before in that song. So, I mean, yeah, had T-Pain done something first and then come out with auto-tune like a second or third album, no one would have given a shit. Different. Yeah. Yeah. But I also think on the other end of it, he makes a point of talking about how he wasn't getting noticed. And so he was trying to find a sound that would get him. No- like he did his job. Like that's the thing. like he he found he found a hook he found a sound that he knew people would that, that he felt people would gravitate to, and appreciate and he and he took advantage of that and that's you know that's that's what I think is interesting Ray and I love that you brought up one of the other things he talked about is all these other artists that would bring him on to help with tracks or to work work on tracks, but just have him help that way they could have the sound. Mm-hmm. And not claim that they used it the way that he did. Like they could distance themselves from that. Be like, oh, we just wanted a little bit of that. That's not who I am. That's not mm-hmm. what I do. You know, everybody wanted a piece of it and everybody wanted a slice of that pie. So I was, uh, yeah, it was fascinating. Cause if you would have told me that the auto tune story was going to be one that I was going to be like, this is really compelling and really interesting I would have I would have laughed at you. I would have I would have mocked you straight away, called you crazy town, and would have just moved right on from it. And yet here I am, being like this was my favorite. My, my um, wife and I liked this one better than the Boys to Men episode. I it was I did too. Yeah, absolutely. 
happens. This is different. I mean, it's something that you wouldn't normally think about as being, like you said earlier, Pat, something that, well, they're going to turn this into 45 minute conversation. And it's like, wow, that was really interesting. I, I had no, and especially from my background, not listening so much to that. It was fascinating for me to listen to, wow, this really impacted that demographic, that, you know, that <laughs> impactful. It was like, wow. Okay. And, and that, that brings the, that brings joy to me personally, because I'm a very eclectic person. As you guys know, I listen to anything and everything, Just but I also Flash know Gordon, but anyway, go ahead. Ray. Well, that's, there's watching and listening. I'll listen to anything. No, I'm joking. I won't watch Flash Gordon 2025, 2027 hashtag. Um, that's right. new bandwagon <laughs> For the people who aren't into R&B or hip-hop or any of those genres, and I'm not speaking that you think it's stupid, but just that's not your cup of tea. Understanding what that meant to music and seeing things like this from perspective, like I'm looking forward to the Sweden episode because I remember ABBA. I remember Dancing Queen. But that wasn't something that I was enthralled with. I'm looking forward to learning about it. Learning about these things and seeing how important something was to a group of people is interesting as hell, especially to me. And it's it's kind of, it makes me feel good because I would have never had a conversation with you guys about T-Pain ever in life. But <laughs> T-Pain, think about it. But T-Pain yeah. is, and I please forgive the hyperbole here, but you could argue T-Pain is, the, is literally the soundtrack to my teens and early 20s, because he was on every song. So it's really cool to kind of talk with my friends about this. Right. That's what, that's what I'm really growing to appreciate about this series in general is like, and there are, like, I, I'm looking forward to talking about Sweden next week. Um, I, whether, and I'm not thoroughly connected to, to ABBA, and, you know, we talked a little disco, uh, but just fun, harmless music. Except for Fernando, that song's really ooh, check out the check out the lyrics of the song Fernando. It's a little messed up. Yeah, it is. I think we should record episode one hundred using auto tune. What do you think, Pat? Uh, we can't because we got to do a list show for our hundredth episode of some. That list not be hilarious. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that be good stuff. Number um, forty one. You you alluded to it though, Ray. We talked about it a little bit. So next week when we go into episode three. It is. It's uh, the title of the episode is called Stockholm Syndrome, and it talks specifically about uh, Sweden and its role in popular music and how it's become a place to be for pop artists. And that, you know, our groups like ABBA, Ace of Bass, uh, I saw the signs. Um, right. Opened up my eyes. It did. I saw the signs. Did Dave didn't. He's, he's all skeptical over there. He's like, but well, I, uh, I saw the signs, too. I just ignored him. But anyway, go ahead. Dave was waiting for the hard rock episode, which there isn't one. And there, <laughs> there is the Oasis versus Blur episode. That's going to be that's, right in my wheelhouse. That's not hard rock. That's not. Hard that's rock. not hard rock. But it's it's. I mean, know. is it just brothers infighting the whole time? Because uh, that's that's the best part about the Oasis. Gallagher Oasis was going to be. They that's, were going to be the new Beatles. Remember that? that? They were. That's a future bandwagons problem. Um, Oasis is also the reason that I, one of my favorite Saturday Night Live sketches of all time exists. Uh, in which Will Ferrell is a member of parliament trying to pass legislation recognizing Oasis as the greatest uh, British rock band of all time. It's it's hilarious. Look it up on YouTube. The most ridiculous thing I've heard today. Anyway. What's that? The most ridiculous thing I've heard today is putting Oasis in the conversation of the greatest British rock bands. 
it's it's a like such a great it sounds fantastic it is it's 100 fantastic anyway that's going to do it for this week's review of this is pop episode two next week we're heading to sweden to take uh, tackle episode three stockholm syndrome is the name there we're going to take a quick commercial break and then we got to do a visit to the trailer park and maybe uh maybe talk some nerdosphere news as well but before we get to the recorded commercial it is my duty to remind all of you that if you enjoy the content that we put out here on a daily basis at thechairshot.com with with the Chairshot Radio Network, then you need to really head over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash thechairshirt and invest in one of our mini t-shirts that we have available. We have all kinds of stuff from sayings from different shows like hashtag journalism to the OG Chairshot logo to even a shirt for your favorite nerd popular culture show, Bandwagon Nerds. That's right. We got a shirt and all of us bandwagoners need to get out there and support it. Wear the shirt. Buy the shirt. We love giving you content, and we want to keep bringing that content to you. So please head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. They only cost $19.99, or if you're feeling fancy and want to feel something nice on your giblets, spend a few dollars more and get it soft style. Again, that's ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot when we come back it's time to go to the trailer park and check out some news around the nerdosphere this is bandwagon nerds on the chair shot radio network a part of the chairshot.com wilson you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar how did you do it i got a huge assist from grammarly an ai writing partner that helped me make my point and it works everywhere i write Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com. All right, we are back, and we are now back with a loaded bandwagon. As That's right, the live studio audience is in the house. Everyone, please welcome Mr. PC Tunney. Look at that. They're happy to see you, too. Happy to see you. Yeah, yeah. Girl, I'm going to take you home with me. Yeah, we already did that. We're, I know. I just started to jump in there. Come on. That was good. Come on now. A little auto-tune. Huh? A little tunny tune. We're going to record episode 100 in auto-tune, Tony. We tunny, already decided tunny tune that. Tunny just the name of this episode. That's what I just heard right there. Tunny tune. Uh, we'll, we'll do it. All right. So, Glad I could drop in. You guys have a good episode. See you later. <laughs> that was the whole thing. How, how are the links today, sir? That's right. How are the links? You shoot well? Uh, yeah, good time. Good time today. Excellent. When well, you, it's perfect when... timing. Um, you just managed to walk in right at the right moment as we're all going to be taking our little trip over to the trailer park. Had a few trailers drop this week that I thought were worth talking. So, Dave, why don't you hit some music for us?
Excellent, excellent. Welcome back into the trailer park, everyone. Dave, I'm actually going to defer to you on the first trailer. We're going to cover three trailers today. Two that are a little more nerdosphere than than the first one. But you shared this, this trailer for the movie Cop Shop. And so I feel it's only appropriate that you tell us why you felt we needed to check out the movie Cop Shop. It just looks fun and batshit crazy. That's why I shared it with you guys, because um, when I see stuff that I look at and say, wow, this that looked kind of fun. I like to share it with you guys. And I just I didn't know if it was going to get, you know, make it to the trailer park. But I just thought, hey, this is kind of interesting. Uh, you got some good cast members. It's it's off the wall. There's lots of it seems like action mixed with sarcasm mixed with comedy. Uh, that seems like it's right up our alley. But uh, yeah, I I just thought. Here you go. And I think they introduce a there's somebody. One of the uh, actors is making her introduction to the business. I, I if I understood that correctly, she looked badass. I think the whole trailer just looks badass, but it it's kind of funny, too. So it had a John Wickish sort of feel to me a little bit. And everybody's kind of in jail and trying to get to everybody else. And uh, I just thought it was fun. I thought maybe you thought we'd like it not because it was fun, but because it was batshit crazy. B, I mean, both. C, all of the above, yes. I was actually just, honestly, I was surprised that um, Henry Cavill wasn't in the, in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's in an uncredited role. He's in an Patrick uncredited role. Or the win. He's, he's voicing one of the characters, yeah. Is Gerard, is Gerard Butler like your backup crush? Is that is that what it is? No, not really, no. He, he didn't like him when he was all, like, glistening. In 300? Yeah, like when he's kicking dudes into pits nah, and stuff. Man. Guys, need, they, they need to sparkle like vampires in Twilight, or I'm just not yeah, interested. He was, all, he was all oiled up. Like, he was all oiled up. He was glistening. He was glistening like this. You got a little, like, you know, one of those. Women, women, women glisten, right Pat. Men just sweat, so. No, no, no. He was he was glistening. Uh, here's what I'll say. Is that that flick looks like a throwback to, like, those 90s, action action comedies late 80s action like if, if this if there was something that oozed like sylvester stallone flicks not not so much schwarzenegger schwarzenegger was definitely more of like always like the military guy but stallone every once in a while would be like the hard edge cop or like mel gibson in lethal weapon like that sort of thing maybe a little bruce willis going on there and then maybe that's the cop like gerard butler i feel like he could be like a modern day Bruce Willis and Die Hard type of character. No, no, I'm on an island here. No, right. no, you're right. You're right. It's, it's, what is it about these UK dudes like Liam Neeson and Gerard Butler and uh, what's what's my ball guy? Um, uh, no, uh, Jason Statham. Like no, nobody from the US can be hard. What the fuck? Like is Bruce Willis the last hard guy we got? I mean. I got the rock. Yeah. We were thinking about bringing in Mags to fill your role a little harder. <laughs> I mean, it's probably better than me. I, hey, I look, I understand. I know my limitations. <laughs> we got John Cena now. I mean, there you go. Uh, but yeah. You can't well, see him though. Yeah, that's right. We can't, you can't see him. All right. Yeah. looks like a good, it looks like a good play. I want to tell you, it's a straight to video movie for me, man. Like it's, <laughs> that's a wins is on streaming. I'm not. I'm not going to go to a theater and see it, uh, but I can understand if some why somebody would go to the theater and see it. it's a good, uh, good old fashioned action shoot 'em up. Uh, could be a fun time. 
The next trailer we're going to cover. All right, I need one of y'all's Hulu account. Like, I'm, yep, I did it on the air. You heard it here. I want to steal a Hulu account because I finally got a trailer drop for Why the Last Man. We don't get a lot of answers, but damned if that didn't make me feel good about this show. I can't wait for this show uh, to come out. It's, uh, you know, I've talked up the comments, comics so many times on this, on these airwaves. And so to finally get our first looks at basically the, what is, strikes me as like the first episode ish um, of the series because the the whole story is that a, a mysterious plague has wiped out all men on earth. They all just drop dead at the same time, except for one guy. And he is lost in the middle of New York city, trying to reach his mother who is a Congresswoman or, or something like that. Um, and is actually effectively running the country uh, in the comics. We'll see how they do it there. But I just, it's everything that I have uh, been hoping for in terms of a look at a trailer to get me extraordinarily optimistic about this show. I just don't have who. Wait, 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 wait. You've got Disney Plus, right? But I didn't get the I didn't get the big package that like bundled the, the four yeah. four dollars more a month. You didn't get that. That's what you didn't. No, because I spent it. I spent it on Apple TV to get Ted Lasso. Well, that's worthwhile investment, but. Uh, Dude, now, one of the three best episodes of television I've seen in a long time happened this week on Ted Lasso. So when, when, when Ted Lasso is done, unsubscribe from that and throw that to Hulu. But then I, I wouldn't be able to watch the other stuff on Apple TV Plus. I'm just I'm just saying. I know people watch the morning show. Ray, two words for you describe Patrick in his own words. Cheap bastard. This is how he's described himself. Yes. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, I'm not asking for pity here. I mean, it was bound to happen at some point, right? Like, I was going to end up with a show that I really, really wanted to see that I might have to go old school and be like, when does it come out on Blu-ray? <laughs> is there a is it coming out on physical media can, like they, in the 1990s? Can I, can I purchase this in Laserdisc, sir? <laughs> right, I got this giant player. I got my Betamax over here, you know, it's it'll oh, still my work. Oh, God. Get You're those, probably those, the kid who don't know what that is. Betamax, too, with the VHS Betamax argument, weren't you? I had a Too bad Max, the point. but it wasn't because Too it was bad. superior. Just because that's what my that's what my dad bought. Uh, Too bad the porn industry didn't choose Beta. Hmm. Between them and Disney, going the VHS route, that was that was it. That was doomed. Oh, all right. Disney back then, anyway. Right, gentlemen, you all chose. You all watched the trailer. Any sort of thoughts on why the last man um, getting your first look? See, I'm in. Dave. I'm in. That's my first thought on it is I definitely count me in because I, I, I like the comic. Haven't read all of it, read some of it. And uh, this looks like it's capturing for the most part, the essence of the comic. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, fun, you know, at least COVID didn't work that way where it wiped out just us and left the world populated by women, which probably would be an improvement, but you know, it's uh it's an interesting concept, that's for sure. But uh I yeah, everything I saw, I was just like, okay, this looks really interesting. Um, this guy is, is both blessed and cursed at the same time, that's for damn sure. Uh but uh it's it's gonna be a, a really fun show and and I am curious as to how they integrate stuff from the comics into this show, but it looks like another fantastic 
series amongst the myriad <laughs> multitudes of them to watch. I mean, I just go to PC Tunny for my, he's my sensei as far as shows to watch and things. Just needed a, you needed a cooking show to he, check out? He's my Johnny Lawrence. There you go. Yeah, don't, don't watch Paris Hilton's cooking. I bet did it is. Great. What did you... Yeah, you didn't need to say it. You didn't need to tell us that. Yeah, Paris, Hilton. Just, Paris Hilton, stop right there. I didn't want to turn. I, I listen. It's on HBO Max, I think, and uh, I saw it with the Suicide Squad when I went on there, and I'm like, okay, I I have to like at least turn on the first. I'm like, I'm the cooking show guy. I have to. Okay, I like I'm obligated. I didn't want to, and it didn't. I don't think I got to the three minute mark. So. <laughs> By the way, underrated cooking show. Underrated cooking show. Martha and Snoop. Really fun. Yeah, I give it. I give. I give it very high marks. Exactly. Okay. So anyway, the trailer of the show that we're watching or talking about in the trailer park. Um, any other thoughts on why the last man? Um, I'll, it's I'll my own it. fault. I made a cooking show joke. I'll, I'll own that. But like Ray. I'm, I am. I have no thoughts other than massive intrigue. I don't know anything about the comic other than what you told me. The trailer looks great. The scope looks really cool, and I'm super excited to see it. But I don't know anything about it. To it, this is no different than us all watching a, a brand new show nobody's ever heard of before. This you might as well. This might as well be Lost all over again, and me seeing the first trailer for Lost. All I felt was, damn, I want to see that because I don't know anything else about it. So. It looks like it's going to be well done. Um, I think the last time we had a concept like this was when they did the comedy on Fox, Last Man on Earth or something, and mm-hmm. he wasn't the last man on Earth. But I think you can go back before that in the past few decades where we've had, whether it be a sitcom, well, not necessarily a sitcom, a series or a movie where you're the last person on Earth or last people on Earth. But this looks a little more interesting. It looks like they have a direction in which they want to go. Uh, so that holding to that direction would probably be the key to making this successful. Excellent. Yeah, I, I like I said, I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm gonna find a way. I may, I may suck it up and do like the free trial or something. I don't, I don't know. We'll see. See what I do to to catch Why the Last Man on Hulu. The tell last... Greg you want. Tell Greg you want a bandwagon nerd stipend. There we go. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Well, that'll get as far as the no that he throws at me when I make that request. But hey, shoot your shot, right? Last trailer. There you go. Last trailer that I have on the list for the trailer park today is what is another highly anticipated series hitting in 2022. Thanks, Netflix, for taking forever. But we finally is not, I guess, trailer is kind of an unfair word. It's like a 30 second sort of teaser with a little bit of footage for stranger things and first of all i know dave is just now getting on the the stranger things train he's almost completely caught up or has finally caught up by now i'm watching the last episode today today tony i'm seeing you put up a big goose egg that would tell me that you haven't watched anything yet is that right you haven't watched this either i've never seen it yet i i am all caught up on umbrella academy though that makes you feel better about me I, I argue with my daughter about this regularly because she's watched the see every every episode like three times, and I'm I've not. Never, gonna oh, you guys, it. you guys would I'm like not, it. You guys would definitely like it. it. I'm not gonna watch it. Okay, Ray, I'm gonna. Watch this <laughs> Go right, Tony. Fuck you, Ray. <laughs> Tony's lost. Tony's lost cause. I know. I, I know. 
change his mind. Ray, by the way, Ray though, Ray, fuck Tony, Ray. That's not fuck Tony. I just I kind of know what what I'm getting there. Ray, just based on the type of person I know you to be, yes sir. From yeah, what you have shared with us on this show, I even think you. I think it. you would really appreciate and really like this show. I really do because, it, I mean, and the '80s fan servicey stuff, notwithstanding, because there there's a lot of that. But the kids, it's it's ET man, like it's like ET meets the Goonies with real peril involved. If that if if that makes sense, like the stakes are are true, like it's dark, but like like the, it's amazing, like it's a terrific terrific show, and. Sure. So Go it's ahead. not Super 8, because I thought, because it, it looks like Super 8. Oh, no. No, no not at no, all. Not even, no, not, not at all. A little bit like Super 8. Okay. okay. At all. It, like, it is about, it focuses in on, this, there's this core group of children who, at the start of the series, are around 9, 10, 11 years old. I think they may be junior high-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, the series starts and, off with them playing Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, yeah, there you go, right? Wow. <laughs> yeah. But one of the kids, one of the kids goes missing. And Winona Ryder plays his mother, and she refuses to believe that he's really he's really gone. Uh, there's this mysterious girl who is known only as uh, known only by the name Eleven when you first meet her, and she has like psychic powers and connect. And then there's these creatures that are coming from this mirror dimension, basically is the way that I would describe it, um, that they call the Upside Down. And it's it's a really it's tight it's suspenseful you talk about horror there's a lot of really strong horror elements in it but it's like a thriller it's very supernatural and these kids they're just they're all total nerds like they're total nerds they're not the cool kids they're they're part of the av club they play dungeons and dragons they they uh they really is like even down to the token black kid caleb whatever his name is yes yes lucas yes Black kid on the show. I wasn't in the AD club, by the way. I'm not saying you were. I mean, you said you were going to watch the show, so we moved on from you. Uh, oh, if I can, I say, I'll tell you between me and I knew you. I should have left right away. I knew I should have left after that first fucking. Between, between me and you, line. Pat, the last episode, which is the next to last one, the audience reactions to like the end of Back to the Future, where everybody gets up and claps. I was like, God damn, I remember that happening for real. They captured <laughs> right, right. that perfectly that and there and that is the thing is it's you know it's in this it's in this vision of the 80s uh that you know for the most part like you know there's they they take it to the to, to the mall in the in, in the, the second mall. season or yes yeah, the third season the mall star court star court yep it's just it's so it's so so good it's so so well done go ahead i have one question Okay. You mentioned the mirror. You mentioned the mirror uh, dimension. Is will there they be any instances of Mephisto or Nightmare? Maybe. <laughs> yes. No, but you do have to worry about the Demogorgon, and that is a problem. So, so Trigon. Mephisto's coming season four, Ray. Season four. Maybe. There it we'll, is. Okay. But and it's got it's got some great actors in it. Winona Ryder, you know, got a great resurgence in her her uh, career. A little a little bit of love David there. Harbor. David Harbor, Red Guardians yep. in it. There you sure. go. Red I know Guardians. all the I know all the cast members and all the kids are like Millie Bobby Brown and what's the boy yep. at the mouth? Gaden. I yep. don't know his last name. Like I know they're fantastic actors. Right. So it's just it's just a matter of me sitting down show. to watch it. 
sit down and watch it. And if your daughter loves it, she'll watch it with you and you can ask her all the questions. She can be the bandwagon nerd for you, Mr. Bandwagon. So the trailer, the trailer itself, what little there was to see was just a little bit of footage there and there. It's clear that Eleven is in some sort of trouble. It looks like she's getting arrested. Uh, but when we lay, well, I can't, I don't want to spoil it. Dave's about to watch the end of season yeah, three. Just, 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 yeah, don't, don't. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to ruin it, but uh, let's just say that there's some snippets that show you kind of where we're going, but you don't really know. Uh, 2022 can't get here fast enough for me for this show. It's it's one that myself and the wife watch. It's a really, really good one. And Tony, I know I was yanking your chain. I hope you find the time to decide to watch it at some point because it is a really, really good show. It's so, not Breaking Bad, um, you know. I still got to watch the spread, So you know, we're all we're, we've all got our we've all got our thing. Fair. All right, that's going to do it for our little jaunt over to the trailer park. But I didn't want to end this segment just yet because I are not the trailer park, but I didn't want to end this little segment just yet without talking about a couple of news bites from the nerdosphere. One's a bit of casting news that. I just read and was like, huh. And then the other one, I would be remiss if we didn't talk about Matt and Trey um, from South Park getting paid. Money, money, so, money, money. Before we get into that, let's talk about this uh, this casting news that came out. So the Netflix Netflix is also putting out a series, an Adam, a new Adams Family series, focusing on Wednesday Adam that just cast its Gomez. And can I ask you a question? Before you yes. get into it, is sure. this what? the project that Rob Zombie is attached to regarding the Adams family or not? Let me see. Because I know Rob Zombie might have got movie no. rights to it. Okay, go ahead. Burton, Tim Burton is on board as the executive director and will direct. Okay. So it's a Tim Burton deal. Ray, I, just read, I, I just read the news item. I hadn't read it yet. I just read it. What? So. So let's 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 let everybody else say what. So yeah, so reports are allegedly that being cast in the role of Gomez Adams will be one Luis Guzman. What? Who, I, I don't know. I don't know. Here's the thing. He's a he's a great actor, right? Yeah. Like he's a great actor. Uh, I personally, one of my favorite roles that he's ever in is when he plays, um, I can't remember the name of the character, but he's in the movie waiting. He's one of the cooks in waiting that goes around, um, trying to get people to participate in the penis showing game. Um, the goat. The goat. Yep. The goat. I did the uh, goat. But, the but goat. And this, this show centers on. Go to people. Are you, are you good? Maybe. Maybe. Because you've got more, I want you to have the platform. No, I'm done. It's true, though. <laughs> it is true, though. Um, so Tim Burton is the executive producer. He's going to direct these. It's based on Wednesday Adams uh, because, because of course, it is. That's kind of the Tim Burton thing. But I, Luis Guzman as as Gomez, I don't know if I see it. Dave, do you see it? I I'm going to defer to Ray. I've got no opinion on this, really. Do I see it? No. Can I see it in in more cartoon versions? So many of us are looking at the old TV show, right? But in cartoon versions, Gomez is a bigger dude, right? So maybe. But I just don't see. Gomez isn't particularly funny. So, like, I don't. 
I don't. It's it's not adding up to me. Right. Maybe. Size, like his look. I I think they can work out his look or whatever. Yeah. To me, it's one hundred percent the persona. Because Gomez Adams, in this case, all the way back to the original TV show, Gomez Adams is like he's he's bombastic and full. Like his whole thing is that he's just always like excited about everything, right? Like he's just thrilled about everything, and that Morticia is his world, and he is a romantic, a hopeless romantic for Morticia Adams, and it's always done through this. You know, everything he does is done through the the idea of making his wife happy. He is he believes himself to be the luckiest man on the planet because he's married the most beautiful, you know, corpse-looking woman on the planet. And so that's what like it just struck me because it's like I, I don't know. I I've always seen him as kind of a goofy a goofy character. I you know, I think um he's been played by Raul Julia yeah. um back in the old movies from the 90s. That was so great with him and Angelica Houston. And he did such an amazing job with that. Oscar Isaacs does the voiceover work for the animated movie. He's yeah. done one. He's doing the sequel coming up. Um, so you, you know, I, you know who Luis Guzman should, could play. I mean, yeah. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to typecast my boy, but no, you disagree. I know faster. So. I, I like I like the casting. I know like okay. cinematically the character you expect to be tall, svelte, and like you know smooth, right? But as a character, he's very he has zero self awareness, right? I think that's the best way to put him because Patrick, you talk about how he's happy all the time, but like he's always in his own world. Like he thinks everything he thinks, everybody thinks the same way. And I think Luis Guzman can play that character to a T. I think it's going to be excellent. I brought up the Rob Zombie thing because I heard on Broken Skull Sessions when Kevin Nash was on uh, with Austin, Austin had asked him about any movie prospects. And he said, yeah, I would, it's really hard for me to find a role. I heard Rob Zombie got the rights to do a, a movie and he was looking at, I guess it was the monsters. Now that I think about it, looking to be yeah. a bigger yeah, character that way. Monsters. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't mind that casting there. I, I think that he could really, really uh, portray that role in a, in a slightly different twist than you're used to. Now, Dave, you were like 10 or 11 when the original 1950s version of the show debuted. Why don't you tell us like, where do you see this connection? Actually, this is the sixties. My bad. Yeah. It's so I don't it's so wrong. <laughs> I I don't know, man. I'm trying to conceptualize him as in that role, and I just I don't know. That I, I I'm so noncommittal on it. It's like, yeah, maybe it'll work, but he's got the acting range to pull it off. But yeah, I think like Ray's right when I when I think about that character and I look at <laughs> Mr. Guzman and I'm like, hmm, that's a little different than what I'm used to for this particular character. But maybe. Oh, all right. I was more of a Munsters fan than an Adams Family. Really? Fan, yes. It's the better I, okay. show. There you go. Really? Look for the Rob Zombie Munsters coming to a theater near you. Is it? Is this a Munsters friendly panel? Then is that what I'm hearing here? Is that is the bandwagon team Munsters? Tony, you're you're kind of half 50-50? How did those two never have a crossover? That's a good point. Hmm. Oh, that's weird. All right. Well, more to come as this series will come out. I'm sure it'll be delightfully dark and gothic and a little goofy. I guess that's the other thing is with Tim Burton at the helm, it is going to take on a, a side of goofy because I always go back to 
his like his Dark Shadows movie, um, his Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, a little surreal, a little goofy. So maybe maybe it works. And I'm always willing to check something out once and be happy to be wrong. So sure. we'll, we'll see what happens there. But let's talk about two men who are, are going to make a lot, a lot of money. And that being Trey Parker and Matt Stone, the co-creators of the beloved Comedy Central animated series, South Park. They have signed... I'm trying to do the backing track for you while you're talking about this because they got lots of money. That's the worst Lex Claypool ever. Please stop. Yep. Uh, Shame. Yeah, keep it there. Stick to auto tune, Ray. Just stick to auto tune. I would love to. (laughs) Stick to. So the creators of South Park signed a deal with Viacom CBS Incorporated that will pay them more than $900 million over the next six years. They will use that money to make new episodes of South Park for the Comedy Central Network and create several spinoff movies for the company's Paramount Plus streaming service. Their first project under the new deal will be a movie set in the world of South Park that will debut sometime before the end of the year. Well, that's coming up fast, so I I hope they've got that in the works pretty good. Before we talk about this deal, which is just ludicrous and and amazing for them, like, good job, way to get paid. I loved – you, you, we talked about soundtracks of our childhood or whatever. Soundtracks of my college years, the early seasons of South Park. Uh, I loved that show. Loved that show was was what that show became cooler than The Simpsons. That show, one because it was on Comedy Central and Comedy Central wasn't on every network. You can disagree with me all you want, Simpsons fan over there. I see you down in the lower right. That's right. I'm calling you out, Tony. I see the faces. I see it. Team Simpsons. That's okay. Uh, I love that this. I love that South Park was so clever that they came up with an episode called Simpsons Did It to point out that everything that they were doing was from an episodes of The Simpsons, and that's okay. That doesn't mean that The Simpsons didn't jump the shark, and you know, and are kind of not a nearly as entertaining as they used to be. Anyway, I don't think South Park is either. Yeah, but I remember like those early seasons and part of it was kind of the underground nature of it all because you had to have the right cable package at the time to get Comedy Central, like not every cable package had it. And so I remember I didn't have it at home on our cable package. And it wasn't until I got to college that we had Comedy Central as part of the, the college cable channel. So I would download episodes online via QuickTime. Do you guys remember wow. QuickTime? Yeah, QuickTime. Watch choppy ass episodes of South Park when not they got so, released back in the days. And it was not so quick time at all. Choppy, choppy, horrible audio, blurry, whatever. Take you like seven hours to download an episode. You'd be waiting. But it was the thing to do. It was the show to check out. And so for me, I'm a big fan of South Park, what it was. I Today, every now and again, it has a show that kind of hits a home run. Uh, but you can also tell that they're kind of comfortable where they are now uh, and, and know that they're cranking out content uh, because 
it pays a lot of bills and in a big fat way. So thoughts on just the show South Park, because I just talked way, way too long about it. Let's start with the South Park hater over here, Mr. Tunney. I am not a South Park hater. I love South Park. I just think Simpsons is one of the best things ever. Um, But not taking nothing away from South Park. I sat in line on the ground waiting to get into the movie theater to go watch the South Park movie with DP and Satchel McFlippins and, you know, other weird named people that you know of from me. Um, It's, it's great. I'm happy for them. Like good for them. But you talk about how they operate now. Yeah. The problem I only have now is anytime they care, they almost care too much about something and they overdo it from their side as opposed to coming at it from little bit left or a little bit right of it where they used to do, but I'm looking forward to the new content. Good for them. Basketball is one of the greatest, uh, uh, quotable movies of all time. And, you know, talking about the deal they, they just signed, you're excited. Feel these nipples. There you go. Absolutely. Dave, this might be a little too hip for you. I don't know. Cause you, Hey everybody, if you haven't figured out, I'm making fun of Dave cause he's old today. Um, that seems to be that seems to be what I'm doing. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. nothing new. No. Nothing new there. Um, I I mean I've always liked South Park a lot. I, I think I I tend to tend to agree with you that the older stuff is is the superior product. But yeah, they still put out some good shows here and there. Uh, the uh, the content's gotten a little bit different over the years, but that doesn't mean that these two guys don't deserve to get paid what they're getting paid. I mean they're making bank nine hundred mil. Can I have some? I, I mean, I'll I'll come up with some bullshit episode of South Park if you if you need me to. But yeah, I mean that good for them. You know they've they've been around forever. They've been doing it forever. Their uh, South Park is as big a you know is a huge contribution to American pop culture. I guess we can call it that. As, as you know, maybe not on the same level as Simpsons, but it's in the same ballpark, so to speak. So yeah, great, good for them. I, I'm. I want to see some more South Park movies. You know, if they got one coming out the, before the end of the year, fantastic. You know, we're probably uh, all going to be stuck in, indoors again pretty soon. Before you go, Ray, I'll say their vaccination special was fucking hilarious that they just did. If you hadn't seen that, go check it out. And it's, People get it, the club. Right? It's crazy for me being 40 years old, and they're they're getting a $900 million contract, and I'm 40, and this show started when I was in high school. Right. Not my senior year either. Um, they're probably they were much like a lot of things we're starting to see from that time period. They're probably getting evened out and getting so much money because they were probably underpaid with as much content as they've given Comedy Central over the years. So this is probably part partly a make good. Um, which hey, get your money, young men or older men since they're older than me. Um, South Park, I love South Park. I think South Park is probably one of the smartest shows of, of we've ever seen in in the rise of cable television, right? It's it's just so it's so smart and so clever. And even when it's not smart and clever, it's still kind of smart and clever. Yes, have they gotten a little bit too preachy and on their platform? Absolutely. But the world has. So they kind of had to flip with how the world flipped. Um, the best part about this whole situation is they're not going to make two more seasons. Bet money because they got the money. Well, so it's funny. We should love this deal because guess what year it expires? 2027, hashtag baby. 2027. Hashtag 2027. Their deal runs through 2027, covers six 
more seasons of cycles of South Park. They don't call it seasons, cycles of South Park. And includes 14 made for streaming movies. That's 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 a lot of South Park. I'm assuming the favorite TV movies are like the vaccination special or the pandemic special. Or those I would assume like so that. too. Yeah, it I would so. It's basically the same for them as making two regular episodes unedited and just putting them right. together. Kind of like how they did Cartoon Wars. Instead of doing it in three episodes, you just do one big episode, and that's a streaming movie. Yeah. The thing, um, the other thing I found interesting is the way that they have been able to keep control. Like they really have taken charge of their their career from the moment they hit it big, and you can even see it in the way that. There's their earlier seasons dropped versus the way they drop stuff now. Like their their seasons drop in like six episode chunks, right? Like they don't do full twenty some episode seasons that run through, you know, sweeps and after sweeps. It's usually like a fall half and a spring half, and you get about a you know a fifteen to twenty episode season between two different go rounds, or at least the way they look at it. It's always. It's been very, very fascinating. I'm glad they got done with the uh, the Tegrity weed stuff. I was getting tired of Randy on the weed farm. That was that was getting a little getting a little boring. That's probably I enjoy it, but that's probably the reason why so many people don't think South Park is as good as it once was because it's not about the kids anymore. Like no, I enjoy Randy. I just got tired of that storyline. Like, it was no. That's yeah, no, sure. I would, and, and that's less speaking about integrity reading. That's in that story as it is speaking to. I'm sure there's a lot of people who will look at the story and be like, "People still watch South Park." Yes, sure. So oh. and you. And that's whenever, what happens you know, when you're on the air for more than 20 years, though. You can't yes. continue. You're like you know, The Simpsons. They went from being Bart centric to being Homer centric to basically giving you half the episode about the family and half the episode exploring the rest of the people around, you know, Springfield. So that's just, that's the nature of the beast. Like them exploring those other characters and bringing in new characters like butters coming along and things of that nature and exploring all that stuff and going all these different places. That's how you get to 20 plus seasons, right? That's how you get $900 million, two and a half decades into creating a show. Yeah, I mean, Mr. Garrison was a focal point for, I mean, you know, in the South Park universe, he's the freaking president of the United States. So absolutely agree there. Um, should we worry about our content creators? Well, speaking, so I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you brought that up. Because <laughs> that. You, you were alluding to it and you didn't kind of jump out the window all the way. But South Park has essentially full autonomy to say, do what they want when they want, how they want. The only pushback I think they've ever gotten was the Muhammad episode. Yeah, and they satired it in the episode. Yes, so they got it's, they got two plus decades of playing the game. Exactly. So I and so they're OG content creators, but I mean the money is there, bro. Money's in streaming. It's just they're trying to figure out how to quantify or liquidate it, if you will. But the money is if you're paying nine hundred million dollars, my God, for a sitcom, a cartoon, animated sitcom, money there, bro. Ain't no, it, yeah, and money's there. Dave, what are you gonna do with your nine hundred million dollar cut uh, from from the uh, South Park deal? How, how, how you gonna spend it all? Retire. That'd be a good start. Go go retire. Jump. Go uh, go see the world uh, once restrictions are lifted again. 
Maybe you show up in Wisconsin at the uh, Thunderdome or something like that and hang out with Tony and DP a little bit and uh, learn a, a few a things giant, from the scientist. A giant heated doghouse for the winter. That'd be good. Oh. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it doesn't get that cold here in California. Well, so. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, if you're if you're bringing them with them with you up here to the Thunderdome, bring the little sweaters for them. Okay. Okay. I'll do that. But yeah, with nine hundred million, I I could think of a few things to do. Sure. Buy a wrestling promotion. Call, call myself oh, Tony. Call myself that, Tony. Dude. Call myself Tony Khan. You know something like that. Uh, you don't want to do that. You you think Hulk Hogan's a terrible worker? So, um, anyway. terrible worker. Could buy like nine hundred million six pieces at Big uh, Burger King. There you go. Ooh, that's a lot, a lot of nuggets. A lot of nuggets. Need a lot of barbecue. That's a lot of whoppers, man. Probably get it with travel. Any sauce with that, sir? Yes, all of the sauce. <laughs> so cool. All right. Well, happy for Trey and Matt. Love the show. Glad that it's going to keep going. We're going to take another quick commercial break here. When we come back, we are going to break down everything we saw on the Suicide Squad. As I think all four of us have watched it, I think there are two sides to this to this story um, in regards to this movie. I think Tony and I are on the same team. And you'll all hear about it when we come back. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey, folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code ChairShot. Head to AngryLemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code ChairShot to save 10%. That's AngryLemonade.net. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code ChairShot. Get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code ChairShot. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. We are back. Welcome back, everyone. It's time. We had a little DC movie drop this past Friday. Every one of your bandwagon nerds is here. To, went, went and saw it in some way, shape, or form. I saw it in, from the comfort of my own home. Um, I know, Dave, you went to the theater. Mm-hmm. Ray, which way did you go? I saw it at the house. I saw it Thursday night at 6.05. That's right. I, I remember being like, oh, I didn't realize this. And Tony, you saw it at home as well. Of course, I'm talking about The Suicide Squad, the highly anticipated James Gunn-led DC vehicle, a follow-up, a pseudo-sequel, not really a sequel, but kind of a sequel to the original. Um, there's some character overlap there. And 
yeah, I'll start with just, you know, we'll, we'll go into the, the nitty gritty and the details of it. But I, I said this in the chat. It was fine. I, I, didn't, I didn't feel like it was a bad movie necessarily. But it was fine. I, in fact, I will go as far as to say that I was a little disappointed. Um, I, I expected, I guess I just expected a stronger movie and I, I didn't feel like I got it. So that'll, that'll be where I'll, I'll start. Um, Dave, why don't we go to the other end of the spectrum as Ray keeps writing K's up and down <laughs> and showing it to me. He, he made a K out of his microphone. He's writing K on sheets of paper and I'm sorry. I don't love this movie, but Dave, why don't you talk about how much you did love this movie? I will say this. I thought it was immensely better than the first one. I uh, I enjoyed it. it. It's not perfect. It's not the best DC movie that's come out yet. Uh, not even close. It's um, To me, I, I liked it. It, it felt kind of like Guardians of the Galaxy, but a more mature version of it. And and I think that's what James Gunn was kind of going for. It's not, it's not as tight as Guardians. It's not as entertaining as Guardians. Uh, it doesn't have the same kind of plot as Guardians, and it's not supposed to because anybody who's read it, I thought it captured the essence of the Suicide Comics, Suicide Squad comics, much better than the original one did because it's batshit crazy and it's out there. And yeah, giant starfish, Starro. I mean, really, that that's a Suicide Squad thing. I I I really enjoyed it. Um, I don't know if I'd say it was as good as I was hoping. Probably not. But it's it's really a good movie. So I I that's that's all I can say about it. Ray. So I want to talk about the comparison you just made between Guardians and Su- the Suicide Squad, which a lot of people will make, understandably so. R- ragtag team of misfits, so on and so forth. There is nothing that's supposed to be fun about Suicide Squad or the Suicide Squad or Tax Force X. Nothing is fun about, supposed to be fun about it. So the fact that James Gunn was able to breed some fun and some heart in this movie is amazing in the first place, number one. Now, it will never be Guardians because it can't be, as you just said so perfectly. Is the movie a, a A-plus, a 10, a home run? No. But it's a good double. Maybe you could stretch it to a triple if you if you leg it out, if you're Juan Pierre in, in 2004. You know what I'm saying? It's, an, it's a very enjoyable movie to me. It's very it's way well, out. I can't. I don't watch. I don't watch baseball. Trade is a Cunha trade, fan. Trey Turner. Trey Turner. Just go with Trey Turner. Trey. Well, Trey Turner would launch that whole out <laughs> inside the park. Out inside the, the park. park home run. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but um, no, it's a fun movie. Um, it has some heart. It is not perfect. I don't know that Starro was the right pick for the bad guy, even though the real bad guy is. Amanda Waller in the United States government, but whatever, like it always is in Task Force X Suicide Squad stories. Um, the best part about the movie, John Cena's fantastic, number one. Best part about the movie to me is they actually did what the Suicide Squad's supposed to do. Half the motherfuckers died. That was refreshing, especially Boomerang at the beginning. The shock that was, that was, that was refreshing to me because Amanda Waller don't give a shit about nobody or nothing but what she wants. And the problem with the last movie, besides the fact that it was a jumbled mess of whatever, is that nobody died. I know Slipknot, but he, nobody gets fucked by him. But like nobody really died. Half the damn squad died. 
So that was refreshing from the respect of what the actual group is supposed to be or do. Tony. Shout out to James Gunn for getting Sean in this movie and playing the weasel and having him stay alive and probably going to come back to the next one. Uh, I think I think the thing I like the most, I think I think the thing I like the most, I did that right twice, is we're getting another one. And it's going to be built around John Cena. Uh, what I didn't like is you gave away half of your best comedy spots in the trailers. And when the secondary Suicide Squad comes in and kills all the resistance. It takes all of 15 seconds for the one person that's left to get over it and help them. So those are a couple things that really bothered me. I think the way I got these trailers and was so hyped up, I think I overhyped myself for it, right? I think the John Cena factor for me being a wrestling fan, uh, but I enjoyed it. I mean, I think John Cena and Idris Elba could have a buddy movie and just be fucking hilarious together. So uh, overall, definitely something to watch. Maybe my expectations were high. Uh, maybe I didn't enjoy the way they did the trailers, but I'll give it a B minus just because that's just how much I enjoyed it. Although Dave, sorry, Dave DP did. I said, I compared it more to doom patrol a little bit with the like weirdness and, and, and of kind of dark have. comedy. And then DP said, he hasn't seen doom patrol. He said, um, guardians like you did no i think that's a real good um people i watch it with and i've watched enough doom patrol to say it's got doom patrolish elements with the real way out there sort of stuff with the star like starro is total doom patrol yeah, bullshit mean, yeah starro's tough because he was the original villain that the justice league first fought and but yeah. he actually fit in pretty well with the I mean, there's a big color palette in Suicide Squad that's being thrown at you at all moments. So he fit in well with that. But I think the part, and then I'll kick it back to Pat, the part I liked the best that I was really concerned about was the Harley factor and Harley overpowering um, the movie. They didn't, that didn't happen here. They showed what a badass Harley was, but they really balanced that out against everything else that was going on which I thought was going to be the biggest obstacle they faced. It's what hurt the first movie. It's what hurt Birds of Prey. They didn't fall victim to that here. You got to see just how badass Harley was, but she wasn't the focal. I mean, she's still the focal point, but not as much of the focal point. So I thought they did. They handled that very well. To add everything you said, Dave, is she stood out because of it. Sorry, Patrick. I agree. Sorry. 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 It's okay. So, Ray, what do you think? Well, I have retorts, but go ahead. Um, I see. It's funny that you say, oh, it was great. I was like, she got her own fucking plot line and like took down a base full of building full of fucking armed everybody's by herself. Like, and it was played off for a comedic effect. And I get it. Um, So it's it's funny that you're like, oh, they, they didn't make her like the focal point. And yet I'm sitting here being like, Oh, they they did, but it was balanced out by the rest of what was going on. So she's still a focal point, but it wasn't overpowering you like I felt it did in the first one. Flowers burst out behind her. We're like, look how special and amazing she is. Like, I don't know, man. Like, my thing is more like an acid trip than special. She almost missed the plane. She almost missed the helicopter. She's just taking a deuce. Here's the, here's, the, here's the other thing. Um, you guys have talked about the muddled mess that the Suicide Squad was, or uh, the original Suicide Squad movie was. That's because of Guardians of the Galaxy. It's because of James Gunn. 
because James Gunn put out Guardians of the Galaxy and the folks at Warner Brothers in DC suddenly were like, yeah. we need our movie to be like that. And go go look. There's actually a recent interview not too long. I think I may have shared it with you guys where the director of that movie is like, this wasn't the movie I wanted to put out. Really, and what's yeah. the movie I got? Because there's an A or cut. Right. Because, yeah, you know, everything. There is, but all that is is just mo- more Joker material. Really, that's that's all that's in the extended cut. Well, sure, but the he's, also- saying. he's saying that he's saying that what he put out there, even mm-hmm. that Joker cut, isn't what he put out, what he wanted to put out there. That wasn't his vision, and I buy that because if you look at that, the thing that really stood out to me in the original Suicide Squad was how poorly put together the soundtrack was, and it was clearly they were like, we need this to sound like this let's put shit that doesn't really fit in with the group. Like, and it just, to me, it didn't work. And for me, this movie, I will, I, Tony, I a thousand percent agree with you that part of why I was disappointed in this movie was that I was very hyped and excited to see it and was ready for this to be bigger than what it was. And it wasn't. Um, And that to me, at least it just, it just didn't, it didn't feel like that. Uh, I did appreciate that they followed through on members of the Suicide Squad dying because that's what's supposed to happen. And including, you know, even some of the big star power like Pete Pete Davidson. Like, did we all expect him to be the first to go? Because I did. And I loved it. It was great. Oh, I mean, it was great. Um, But it was just like you bring this guy that everybody's like, oh, my God, here here's this. You know, I don't want to say A-list actor, but a known commodity. And yeah, five minutes in. By the way, kids, if you haven't figured this out yet, we're not spoiler free. Um, Did anybody else pop for the fact that TDK is the is the uh, what's it called the detached kid or whatever it is detached yeah, kid? kid the detached. I popped so kid. hard for that dog. That was one hundred. But yeah, I did. I liked. I thought it was an interesting head fake to have the second the, the second team, you know, kind of open the movie and you're like, oh, where when are these other folks going to get involved? How are they brought in? And then you see, you know, we back it up um, with the time jump. I just, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know why it, it disappointed me. Um, I didn't feel like I, and maybe it was that I was expecting something with a little bit more humor. Um, you know, was, John, John, you didn't think it was funny. I thought there was lots of funny, but it wasn't a, it wasn't comedic. If that makes sense. So here, here's the thing. We're supposed to find it funny that John Cena, Idris Elbra and, um, you know, King Shark wipe out this village because they think that they're working for the, the evil government overlords. And the whole time I'm sitting there, I was like, watch, they're going to be good. Like they're gonna be like freedom fighters or something, and sure enough, it turns out that that's what it is. And then it's like, oh, awkward. I just I thought it was dumb. I didn't think it was funny. I thought it was Wait the, the funny part was how they were wiping them out and the competition between. But I, John I didn't find you. it funny. Like I'm sorry, I didn't find it funny. I didn't. I, I was not. That's your opinion, that. man. I, Even if it's wrong, it's still your opinion, man. That's that's. You I know, could. Un- I can understand not finding it funny, but the entire part of the of the Suicide Squad is that they're bad guys doing good things so of course they were gonna do good shit it's not about what they were doing i just didn't like the whole conceit like the second it was the setup 
So like you're setting me up to see this and it's all culminating in the awkward moment where she's like, what happened to all my men? And they're all standing around like, Oh, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I saw that happening the moment they approach the village and was not entertained by it. Like, I, I'm sorry. I just, I wasn't. And you like, that's your opinion, man. Take it even further. I like the interplay between John Cena and Andrew Salva's characters, between Peacemaker and what's his nuts. Um, let's board. Let's board. Let's board. Now, now let's here's board. here's my one complaint about the movie is that, with all due respect to Idris Elba, because I think he did a great job in this movie, it was really evident to me that that was supposed to be Deadshot, that was supposed to be Will Smith's character, and they funneled him into this role because Will couldn't do the movie because of one reason or another. Um, I didn't see the real distinction between those two characters in this movie. They felt pretty similar to me. Um, I didn't think they distinguished Bloodsport enough from Deadshot. Uh, I, it's a minor complaint, but that the was huh? Yeah, exa- exactly the daughter thing. You know, using the daughter and all that kind of stuff. And and I mean, yeah, I just that was the part about it that didn't sit so well with me. Was like, okay, that's Whoa. not really that different from the first movie. Um, and I thought they should have, uh, they should have done a few things different with that. I mean, yeah, and it, and it is uh, to take it a step further. Blood sport. He follows the same trajectory starts off really pissed off at the world and definitely on one side. And by the end of the movie, he's standing up for humanity to the point that he's going to get his head blown off to go and help all these people. Very similar to Deadshot. So, um, that's my complaint minor though. It may be, I know Ray doesn't necessarily agree with that. I mean, I, I get. I, I'm the one that pointed out the daughter thing from the very beginning. I hated that. I hated the the, the motivation completely. Was t- t- is one of the things I hated most about the movie. But there's there's a bit there's a big enough difference for me. Number one, I think a lot of the reason, and this is none of our faults, but a lot of the reason we're seeing a comparison is because, not just because of the characters, but because they're both black guys. And historically, Floyd Lawton isn't a black dude. If Floyd Lawton was a white dude. This is a black dude. I don't think we'd be seeing it the same. That doesn't mean anything. I'm not trying to say anything about anybody. I'm talking about myself in general because the characters physically look different, right? But I think Bloodsport did enough different to me to show some difference because um, Deadshot is literally just a marksman. Bloodsport is an assassin. He has multiple weapons. He fight, has a fighting style. I've never, ever seen Floyd Lawton throw a punch. Have you? Not really. So that so there's a little difference there, but then again, me too. I I, I look at those smaller details a little more than you guys do. Um, like what I was, fuck that guy right now. What I appreciated about what I, what I appreciated most about the movie more than anything else probably is that they finally did a and even though he had to die to he had to die to get it, they finally gave Rick Flag the 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 the, the, the proper suiting that he that he deserved. And Joel Kinnaman plays a great Rick Flag, but what I appreciate about him in this movie particularly is remember he's the only guy there by choice. He doesn't have the thing in his neck. She right. tried to sell him out, and he still tried to do what was right. And throughout all of this, at the end of it, he realized I'm sick of this shit and tried to save the world because he's the only really good guy of the group. And then, you know, John Cena had John Cena, my boy. But um, and. Shout out to the fact that they made me care about two characters I had never heard of and never ever thought I would care about in Rat Catcher and Polka Dot Man. 
they I think they played it so well. Well, okay. And I I like that point. But let yeah, I I love that point too, but let's be honest. This the the character that steals the show is King Shark. And and num, I, num. I did not see that coming at all. And he was he grew on me as it went along and rapidly turned into one of my favorite characters. I, I did not see that coming. And I know like Pat's talked about on other stuff where King Shark's portrayed portrayed three different ways on three different shows. This was like to me dumb Hulk version of King Shark, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, Polka Dot Man was uh, you know, the, the whole thing with you know, look, it's your mom over there. You know, <laughs> that was the funniest parts of the movie that you didn't see, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So I, I, they, the stuff about Rick Flag, though, um, you raised a good point. It was, did you see him dying in this? I knew they were going to kill off a bunch of people. He was the one I didn't think they were going to kill off. You know, I, I didn't. Me, see, go ahead, Rick. Let me tell you why I didn't. Let me tell you why I didn't see it. Because stupidly. In my fervor to see John Cena in this level of a movie, I didn't see the turn. And I should have, but it didn't hit me because I was so cons- I was so excited about seeing him in this movie. So had I seen the turn, I definitely could have seen. Yeah, he's probably going to be the one to kill Rick. But I think but, like uh, one, one more thing. I'm sorry, one yeah. more thing, real quick. What was what I appreciated about James Gunn in this movie, and what he tried to do was he tried to basically differentiate himself from the old movie so much. Boomerang died at the beginning. All the major other guys except for Harley died. Rick Flagg had to go because it had to be a completely different group of people. And Harley Quinn, to 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 the to the concerns about Harley Quinn said earlier in this movie, which earlier in this, in this conversation, which I get it. Harley Quinn is the most visible person in the DCEU. She's been the star of three movies, and she's been in four. So like. This, she's not just some person you just throw on the side no. and say, I'm there to be there. She Harley, is as visible in this world as Batman is. Harley is the tribal chief of the DCEU. I mean, that's that's all you can say about it. <sighs> well done. I'll, I just want to say this one thing before Patrick can get us back on track and keep the show moving along at its regular pace is this has now become a John Cena project for two more movies, right? Well, TV show. Think, it's not it's a TV I show. Think, Peacemakers. TV I think show. in the next movie, we're going to see him transitioning towards figuring out how to be a good guy. And then in that next movie, you're going to see him be the good guy. So I'm, so I'm sorry, Tony, but yeah, I got to go kill that. So that's because John Cena is going to be having his own Peacemaker TV series on HBO Max. So right. that's okay. where his journey is going to happen there. And we'll gotcha. probably cover it right here on Bandwagon Nerds. Can I tell you guys a story that when the movie was going on, because um, we knew like Patrick's just saying, John Cena is doing a Peacemaker series. When the movie, when the credits roll, before we get to the post credit scene, we're all looking at each other like, well, I guess it's going to be a prequel. And then you see John Cena still alive. It's like, oh, uh, okay, missed, maybe it's you not. Missed, you missed the Easter egg. You missed the Easter egg. When Amanda Waller opens up to detonate people's heads, John Cena's light is still on. Go back and watch it. It's still on. Okay. Yeah. That was the first because I I totally because when she flipped it, I was like, no, he's 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 still lit up, so he's not dead yet. And so I that because I was in the same boat. I was like, well, shit, that's gonna be a prequel and. For for the first time in a while, I, I caught a thing. One, one catch, last, Great one catch. last thing. One last thing that if you're talking about negative things, you know what I hated about the movie is that how her how her crew turned on her to kind of help save Corto Maltese. Amanda right. Waller would have killed the motherfuckers. Yeah, but right. the off 
This betting pool was great. I mean, that these guys are point. fucking shuffling cash around like nothing on these lives, and that was excellent. That might have been the funniest part of the movie. True. So you, you guys have sort of talked about um, what's next. Uh, I did want to just talk a little bit about John Cena's performance, and I think we've talked about it, you know, just sort of what we were looking forward to. I would say that of all the things that did pay off of, of the things that did pay off for me in that movie, I really did feel like his his role as Peacemaker really paid off to what I was looking to see from that character. And I loved that, you know, he's messed up and he's dark and he's kind of twisted and but he's entertaining. But when he you know, when he turns to be like really the bad the bad guy working for Waller that that doesn't surprise like it, it happened. It didn't surprise me, but I was like, he did a good job just flipping that switch and, and being that guy. And I really thought it was good. Yeah. Anybody who and doesn't the, believe that John Cena is on the same trajectory as Dwayne uh, needs to go watch this movie because he is mirroring Dwayne's ascension and, and, and his talent. He's got all that talent. He's got that natural charisma. This was a really good performance. He was very funny. I mean, the stuff where, you know, I, I'll do anything for peace if it takes killing every man, woman, and child to get it. I'm in, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, showing up in his tidy whities on a uh, on a beach and then calling somebody racist for pointing that out. That was uh, <laughs> fucking excellent stuff. That was and, a good one. And when he flipped, I appreciated that he wasn't just cold hearted. I don't give a fuck. It was I appreciate who you are. I don't want to do this, but I will do anything I got to do because that is my job. And a lot of people probably would have played that differently and been like, yeah, bitch, I was going to kill you anyway. The way he played it made it seem feasible. Right. And I appreciated that. I agree with you, Dave, that Cena can go to any level The Rock has gone to and beyond. And maybe The Rock's not done yet. But he's still in them early rock stages where I still see Cena and I where I would still see The Rock. Right. And maybe that's on me as a wrestling fan. But, yeah, I I love him as an actor as well. And I will say I want to turn it over to you guys and throw something out at you. I've been, you know, skeptical of why do Cena versus Roman at SummerSlam. But now after watching this movie and seeing his reception, it makes a lot of sense to me. And now I'm not so sure that Roman goes over anymore with this kind of reception oh, that John gets. 17. 17. Tribal chief, sir. Tribal chief, sir. I understand. All right. Harley's, Harley's taking him down. Wrong so, of the week. All right. Before, before I put a bow on this, uh, any final thoughts from anybody on the panel about Suicide Squad? Any Easter eggs? Did, he, did anybody ever did see Calendar Man? Everybody knows Calendar yes. Man prison. Yeah. Funnily, funnily enough, James, I mean, uh, Sean Gunn doing double work like always. Okay. But did I miss any? Were there any other nods, any other things that I missed that, that others caught? No? I can, let me just say this. If people are listening to us and to this show, like, don't take the negative spin we put on any part of this movie as for you to not watch it. It's a good movie and it's a good time. Fair. Dave, any final thoughts on uh, these suicides? I agree with Tony. The 22 of you listening to the show still uh, don't, don't be put off by anything that we've said that may have dissuaded you go watch this movie. It's fun. It's is it is as close to a Marvel movie in the DC universe as you'll probably get. Oh, and that's just kind of a backhanded. Hey, I'm going to let you go last. Yeah. So we don't end this on a Dave, 
hyperbole from you, Dave. I expect more. Dave is a master of hyperbole. It's something that lawyers, I'm sure, have to do every once in a while to make their point. Anyway, I, yes, take the time to watch this movie. It is a good movie. It's fine. It won't hurt anybody's feelings um, and is definitely setting up for more to come. Ray Cash, your final thoughts on The Suicide Squad. Unlike Marvel, you can watch DC movies on, in, a, in a standalone situation and enjoy them. So watch this movie, and you don't have to worry about seeing the other one before or any other ones. You can just enjoy this and just enjoy it for what it is, which is a crazy, fun, good time of two hours. Just enjoy the movie. All right. Well said. And there you have it. The Suicide Squad officially bandwagon approved. Is mayonnaise an instrument? Want to go jellyfishing? What am I supposed to do all day while you're at school? Can I use your bathroom? Who's your friend? What does claustrophobic mean? <laughs> you know what the problem is? Okay. This week, for Patrick O'Dowd has a question, uh, I, I took a trip back to the 80s. Um... To my, to my youth and my childhood. I've been watching a lot of 80s movies lately. Uh, and today on TV was the Kenny Loggins vehicle. I mean, the Kevin Bacon vehicle, Footloose, was on television. Tony, what? You don't, you don't love Footloose? That's great. Kevin Bacon's in it. That's all you got to say. Kevin Bacon. But Kevin Bacon's not the reason I wanted to talk about this show because I got all nostalgic in remembering that my young self was more than Footloose. That was where I left off. Yep. And I was talking about how I was not enamored with Kevin Bacon. I was more enamored with Laurie Singer, who plays Ariel, and kind of was getting a little nostalgic throwback in time to those women of the mid-'80s that young Patrick O'Dowd had his sort of first feels and crushes for Laurie Singer being one another of Tony's favorite movies Kelly McGillis as Charlie from Top Gun and then for me though oddly enough the ultimate though was Helen Slater from the movie The Secret of My Success yeah that's right Supergirl herself Helen Slater but she plays an executive in the movie The Secret of My Success alongside Michael J. Fox. And I thought she was just about the most beautiful woman on the planet. And so nerds today, and Dave, you can't say Henry Cavill, but tell us, tell the audience, your for your, your first like real childhood crushes on celebrity, like childhood celebrity crushes. And Dave, again, no Henry Cavill, but you can go first. Cheryl uh, Teague? No. Um, Olivia Newton-John from Greece. That was uh, that was the one. No, you, not oh. even Xanadu. Olivia oh, Z- oh, well, both. Anything Olivia Newton-John. I mean, uh, Greece and Xanadu. Yeah. She was my first major major crush. Definitely. Wow, loves the Aussies. I'll that give you something. I'll Tony, give you something ahead. even. I'll give you something even more off the rails. Uh, Lynn Marie Stewart, Miss Yvonne from Pee Wee's Playhouse. Oh, that's that is uh, definitely a little outside the box and not what I was expecting. But everybody loved Miss Yvonne. Yeah, she had some attributes. Cow- Cowboy Curtis really loved Miss Yvonne. 
I'll give you a, I'll give you just a quick couple. Of course, Holly Berry. Come on now. Swordfish. Um, but well, yeah. But remember, losing Isaiah was filmed in Fifth Ward, where I'm from. So yeah, well, you didn't see her tits in that one. This is true. Shout out to Swordfish. Um, <laughs> but um, more for my generation. And she, I mean, ultimate. Now, if you ask me, I feel differently. But uh, Kelly Kapowski, Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Tiffany Amber. Of course. Of course, now she's not number one anymore to me. If looking back on it, but still at the time. Oh, see Jesse and, all. I mean, Lisa Turtle's pretty bad, too. But, yeah, Jesse is bad. Um, if you've seen Lisa lately, you might not. No, yeah, no, yeah, yes. Nowadays, no. And Nikki Cox. What about that? Oh, From yeah. Unhappily Ever After. Yeah, I remember her. She, I remember that show was a big deal for a while, yeah. She was nice. on that, and she was on Weird Science, too, wasn't she? That was her? No, that was somebody show? else. Okay. That was... um. Kind of. I think she. I think that was the. Who's the woman that was in um, Kingpin? That's traveling around. Yeah, the you're talking about the the TV series and not the movie for Weird Science. The right? TV show, yeah. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same. Oh, young Vanessa lady Angel, same right? Yeah, she was in yes. Kingpin. Yeah, yeah, that's who was in the TV series. Okay. I mean, I, I got, I'm not gonna lie. I am genuinely surprised by. Well, I, yeah, most of your answers. Very, very cleverly, like outside the box. Well done, Jim. Dave, seven-year-old Tony. I mean, you already you already know my thoughts on Jane Seymour, but I'll tell you that the Pat. Let's see how you feel about this. Ornella Moody, who played Princess Aura in Flash Gordon. Um, Yeah, I know, man. She is hot. Honestly, and for Flash Gordon's fantastic. I can give you Christopher Platt's response. It's Margot Kidder on a bearskin rug. Absolutely. Oh my God. Yeah. There's there's nothing that's going to top that rug. And on that note, I feel we have effectively answered. Patrick O'Dowd has a question that is just about going to wrap us up. Before we go, gentlemen, let's do a once around. Tell everybody where they can find you and listen to you. This week, we will kick it off with Mr. Reverend Ray Cash. You can find me at my burner uh, at my burner account at Margot Kidder on the Bearskin Rug forty five. <laughs> but 45. you can probably 45. find me. <laughs> probably find me at it's Ray Cash. That's, that's the angle. Exactly. Ari Mysterio C A S S C A S H as in dollars, like Matt Stone and Trey Parker got. That's right, dollar bills. Live studio audience, PC Tunney, tell them where to find you. Uh, at PC Tony, Twitter and Facebook, please continue to listen to everything Chairshot Radio Network on all your favorite streaming platforms. Yeah, man. Great show today, guys. Uh, thanks for letting me jump in late. The links were nice. What a great day. All right, Mr. Lawyer David Ungar. Yeah, you can find me at my burner account, which is at Missionary with Margo. And uh, that's a good, good account to go to. <laughs> like a John Cena burner account. Like it's doing missionary. Every exactly. Every night. Yeah, this fucking guy. No, you can find me on Twitter at Attitude Ag. That is at, at Attitude A-G-G and on Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. And you can find me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can catch me every Monday 
with your double dose with me and David Angar as we do Chair Shot Radio and then, of course, do Bandwagon Nerds. And then you catch me on Wednesdays when I take play, take part in the Babyface Heel podcast alongside Greg DeMarco and Miranda Morales. That is going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Now get yourself out of the basement, get some sun, and then maybe catch a little John Cena blowing some shit up because Suicide Squad was fine. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds part of the Chairshot Radio Network here on the Chairshot.com. Ooh, she got me doing the dishes. Anything she want for some kisses. I'm kicking for when she gets hungry. All she doing is acting like she want me. She counting off all my homies. Even all of my other ronies. She ain't even my main lady. I've been thinking about it lately Man, she really don't deserve me All she wanna do is hurt me So I gotta get away from her But now I'm leaving quickly Before she come and try to get me And I'm taking everything with me is chosen for his or her own completely unique set of abilities. This is Christopher Smith, known as Peacemaker. In his hands, anything is a deadly weapon. He does exactly what I do, but better. I always hit my target dead center. Hit them more in the center. They find something more in the center. I use smaller bullets. What? They go inside your bullet holes without even touching the side. Are you in or out? Let's meet your team. Poke it out, man. What does he do if you're poking out some people? Books upside down. See that? He's pretending to read a book. Oh, you couldn't afford Rat Catcher 1? This is his daughter. You know the deal. Successfully complete the mission, you get 10 years off your sentence. Your mission is to infiltrate Jotunheim and destroy every trace of Project Starfish. Peacemaker. Starfish? This is a slang term for a butthole. Think there's any connection? No. You're the leader. You're supposed to be decisive. I got a clean shot on the only one in the office. Peacemaker. It's actually very nice. Looks nothing like me. Peacemaker. We're on a mission. Drink never hurt nobody. If this whole beach was completely covered in dicks, and somebody said I'd eat every dick until the beach was clean for liberty, I would say no problem. This isn't personal. Holding a gun on me is pretty fucking personal. Miss Waller charged me with making sure those records don't leave this building. Waller's always got a backup. Please. I can't let you do that, girl. They experimented on children. Don't make me do this. That information gets out of cause of an international incident. No one is saying what they did was right. They call you peacemaker? I cherish peace with all my heart. I don't care how many men, women, and children I need to kill to get it. Sorry, kid. Nothing like a bloodbath to start the day. Entire mission for a mental defective dress as a court jester. Coming from a guy that wears a toilet seat on his head. What? It's not a toilet seat. It's a beacon of freedom. Keeping the peace is worth any price, including the life of a hero like yours. Peacemaker. What a joke. Oh.